Welcome to the Ivy Tech Podcast, powered by the MBA Tech Club here at the Ivy School of Business. I'm Sam Sim, MBA class of 2021. Today, we're exploring an operations role that's often found in Canadian tech offices where there are sales teams. I'm talking about sales operations or sales strategy roles. Our guest is Jason Wang. He's an MBA 2008 alumni and the head of sales strategy, operations, and enablement at Amazon in their AWS organization. Prior to that, Jason was at Facebook Canada, where he led sales planning and operations. You'll hear him talk about what sales ops managers do, why he thinks MBAs in particular are a great fit for the role, and what to expect during the interview process. All right, let's get started. Hey, Jason, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. And where do we find you today? Uh, I am in Redmond, Washington, just a small suburb, just 20 minutes outside of Seattle. I always like starting these conversations by getting to know what the guest was up to prior to joining the MBA. So what were you doing before going back to school? Yeah, so I I graduated undergrad from Ryerson in 2001 and, uh, you know, probably spent the first four years of my career with the government of Canada. So I worked for the Department of Foreign Affairs uh, for that time, kind of in their their, uh, foreign service officer development program, spent three or four years kind of traveling around at our various different embassies abroad, principally kind of focused on um, international trade and policy development. So working with uh, foreign government to kind of build policy agreements with Canada as it relates to various different parts of trade with the country. And then also working with kind of Canadian businesses to help them set up shop abroad. So, you know, it was a great kind of pre-MBA type of experience in terms of working with um, well-established Canadian companies as well as Canadian entrepreneurs abroad and helped me travel the world. Got to work in China, work in Europe. Um, so, you know, it was a great uh, experience kind of pre-MBA. Um, not not probably what I thought I w- was going to do graduating from Ryerson, but, uh, you know, all the same, it was a uh, you know, fantastic experience. And what led you to consider doing your MBA? Yeah, I, I would, so, you know, if I think back on sort of what I wanted to do coming out of um, my undergraduate degree, you know, it was really you know, to take a lot of the skills I had developed in, in finance and analytics and, uh, you know, work for a company to help them build out their businesses as, as it relates to, to kind of all the aspects that I had learned in school for finance. And that really wasn't what I what I did with the government of Canada. You know, it, it was heavy kind of relationship management, heavy in terms of trade policy and, and that world. Um, so, you know, I felt like I wanted to get back to a lot of what I had gone to school previously for. Once you, once you start into this role with um, with government, it's it's hard to pivot back into the cor- corporate world. So you know, the MBA was just kind of a natural way to to take a different step in my career. I want to move forward and talk about your first role right after graduating Ivy, and that was at Accenture as a consultant. I'd love to know what made you choose consulting over, let's say, a role in a tech company. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd love to be able to say, hey, yeah, I, you know, going into the NBA, I knew that consulting was what I wanted to do. I, I guess I'm the type of guy who, like, likes options, right? And the way, as I started, you know, the first four months of the program, three months of the program, consulting just looked more and more um, interesting from that perspective in the sense that you get exposure to 
multiple different industries, you get exposure to multiple different disciplines. Um, you know, in, in some respects, it's it's almost like finishing school. You know, you're like postgraduate degree after an MBA, right? And that's you know that's kind of what appealed to me is the ability to try my hand at different uh, different disciplines and industries. You know, with with consulting, it was it was one of those things where it, it was also easy to fall into when you um, go to MBA, right? There's a very well defined recruiting path in uh, at IB. You know, it's it's easy to figure out how to get a job in consulting. So for me, that was you know part of the attraction was you know the the recruiters come on campus. You just need to show up and 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 be able to kind of pass their milestones and gates. But um, you know, gave me all the things that I was looking for, kind of post MBA as well too. So you spent around two years at Accenture doing consulting, yep. and then you moved to Rogers, a telco, Canadian telco, in their emerging yep. business and corporate development team. Can you talk about what led to that switch? Yeah, you know, for, for me, it was had spent two years kind of advising companies and um, had always been on that side of the fence. And I wanted to try my hand at being at, on the other side, right? So not just taking the advice, but how do you take all of the, the strategic advice and how do you build a business out of that? And, and for me at that time, I had spent my first two years with Accenture kind of in and out of the telco world in terms of clients that I advised and, you know, really wanted to kind of continue to build my experiences in telco and, and for me, it was kind of like an initial on-ramp into tech, right? And and the the networks were just kind of a, a natural way of, of kind of getting exposure there. Um, and, and for me, I didn't necessarily want to join Rogers from the perspective of being in their, their established wireless and cable businesses, but more kind of the emerging businesses that um, they were looking at. So, you know, that was where I got exposure to things like um, Internet of Things, um, you know, wireless payments and, and all of those parts of the business that they were looking to establish. And it also allowed me a great opportunity to just, you know, work on building a business. So taking everything that I learned in consulting, everything that I learned in my MBA and trying to, you know, use it in a, in a real life uh, business context and not from an advisory standpoint. So that's, that's kind of what interested me. Let's fast forward to 2015. That's when you joined Facebook Canada as their head of sales planning and operations. I'm sure many students are wondering how you even land a role at Facebook Canada. So why Walk me through that process. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd love to say there was like a grand plan of, hey, I'm going to do this at Accenture, and then next I'm going into going into Facebook. There wasn't really, you know, like a, a anything planned out per se. What I knew was. You know, there were all these large tech companies that were becoming increasingly influential, you know, whether you're in Canada or in the U.S. in terms of, you know, what um, what a typical person does on their phones, right? Whether it's, you know, consumer activities, whether it's business activities. Um, and I was just, you know, interested in, in, you know, the business, the business that they ran. You know, they built this monster business um, out of advertising, essentially out of nothing, right? I mean, they they built a business to rival, you know, any, any TV or print um, advertising business and you know they were obviously expanding hugely within the world right in the US and then Canada was just at the point where they needed kind of a, a sales strategy and operations role locally right and prior to you know my my um, my stint with Facebook most of the sales strategy and operations was run out of the US but they had really grown in terms of scale and size of the Canadian business where they needed somebody um, and, and I was you know I was fortunate enough to be recruited into that role I I hadn't, to be honest, if you had asked me prior to joining Facebook, I didn't even realize they had a Canadian office, right? So I was, you know, fortunate in that respect that, you know, they, they had reached out to me for the role 
and then you know once i heard about it, it was like yeah i want to work here you know it was, it was a pretty much a no-brainer right and that and, and those years was really kind of like the you know the golden years for facebook they were still just kind of figuring out the business you know it was really starting to take off in terms of um in terms of you know relevancy to, to their customers so it was uh you know i i, I love that time that I, I spent there you know it was um it was great in terms of all the formative skills that i learned people that that um you know i built connections with you know i can't say enough great things about that experience what does it mean to manage sales strategy and operations at facebook canada i'm curious to understand what your day-to-day was like while you were there yeah. Um, so, you know, it was really, if I think about kind of my, my typical activities, I kind of divided it up into kind of two, two main focuses. So like one was really around, uh, helping the set go to market strategy and main, managing, um, the annual planning rhythms. So, uh, go to market strategies was really about, Hey, how do we think about customer segmentation? Do we, you know, take a verticalized approach? Do we take, you know, any other types of approaches? And what are the, what are the customer treatment models? that we want in terms of, you know, what are the sales roles that we want in the field? Um, How would that differ from, you know, potentially one vertical to another or one segment to another? What is the the headcount plan that we need behind that? And then from there, it's it's, um, what are the the revenue targets that we want to set for our sales teams? What are the performance goals that we want to set for our sales teams? And that kind of what I described is is kind of the end-to-end annual planning motion. And once all of that is set and put in place, you know, the the roles that you're going to have in the field and the targets that the sales teams are going to have, then you kind of flip to kind of a day-to-day operations role. And in that role there, you're really serving as kind of a, a business partner or what I've heard described as like a chief operating officer to your sales leader, right? So, you know, my, my role was really to be kind of an objective sounding board to our sales leaders as they go through the rhythms of selling, uh, working with their customers is really to help them understand the performance of their business, help them run their their forecasting and their pipeline cadences, and then also be in a resource in terms of uh, business intelligence and serving up right types of insights and data um, to help them better identify you know where there's opportunities or challenges in their business. And there's also a pretty big enablement component in terms of helping the sales teams understand compensation, helping them understand how to use the CRM system, how to use the BI systems to get the most out of it and basically to make their lives more efficient. So help them get as much selling time as possible and make them more efficient from all the internal sales admin type activities that um, that they would typically execute. And that that description is is pretty similar whether it's whether it's Facebook or, or my current role with with Amazon Web Services. You know, I would say it's it's a very similar type of uh, activity in terms of sales strategy and operations. I'm sure there are many listeners that are curious about what it was like to work at a big tech office in Toronto, since many yeah. of, of our listeners will be looking for roles in big tech in Toronto. So sure. can you talk about your experience at Facebook in the Canadian office? Yeah, I mean, it's it, it, um, very much like how you might think of big tech offices, right? And what you might read about, um, you know, in terms of like the Google experience, it was certainly very much like that in terms of Facebook in the sense that they're very much about how do we get our people to be most productive, right? Um, so all of the, the great perks that you hear about, you know, they um, you know they certainly were there in spades at, at Facebook, and I'm sure they were like that, you know, at, at Google's offices as well, too, and all the things you hear about in terms of, you know, having, you know, food on site to having, you know, really liberal policies around vacations, you know, all the support for the uh, for the people in terms of, um, you know, whatever their leave policies were and all 
that stuff. So it was, you know, a great support environment in the sense that once I got into the office, I was focused on on doing the job, right? And everything else was just kind of taken care of for you. And, you know, Facebook and, and Amazon are very different in that respect in terms of their philosophies of how they how they look after their people. But from, you know, I was very spoiled when I was at Facebook from, from that perspective. The other part, I guess, you know, in terms of actually speaking about work, um, you know, Facebook is a very product-centric culture, very focused on, you know, each product release, you know, how do we incrementally, you know, improve the experiences for our customers, for our users. I mean, it was very much focused on assessing and being very kind of data-driven in terms of how they assess performance, you know, not only of the products, but also, you know, wider in terms of the people and performance of the business overall. Um, And for somebody who loves analytics, and I really enjoyed that part of the culture as well, too. But the thing I would say is like, you know, big tech companies, you can lump them all together. But, you know, in terms of my experience at Facebook and Amazon, you know, very different types of cultures. And the cultures really are driven by their founders, um, you know, in terms of how they operate the business. And and certainly Mark Zuckerberg versus Jeff Bezos, two very different um, approaches to how they wanted to run their businesses. So in certain respects, in terms of the employee experience, it may be somewhat similar, but in terms of how the business operates and, you know, where they look to build their businesses very different because of, you know, the perspectives of their founders. You mentioned a couple of times that you're now at Amazon. Can you talk about what you're working on there? Yeah, sure. So I, I work for Amazon Web Services. It is their um, the public cloud business um, that um, they essentially built. Uh, they built the market for for this business and kind of built it from their original computing needs of the Amazon.com business. So, um, you know, different from .com in the sense that they are selling IT infrastructure essentially to, to end customers. So very much uh, a B2B sales motion, whereas, you know, Amazon.com is obviously, uh, you know, a pure consumer business. You know, for me, it was really an opportunity to really hone my skills in the B2B world. Certainly Facebook is a B2B business, but it was very different types of sales motions than what um, AWS is and AWS is very much kind of a, a SaaS IT infrastructure centric type of um, selling motion, uh, and if it was you know another opportunity for me to build some new skills to learn about a new industry. And the other part that was you know also interesting for me as I thought about the transition from Facebook to, to Amazon was really you know for me to kind of push my boundaries in terms of getting out of Canada, and it was an opportunity to work for you know a very US centric business and, and to work at headquarters. You know, I had a great experience at Facebook. You know, Facebook Canada was obviously a satellite office and you have limits with satellite offices, whereas, you know, there are many more doors open to you when you work at um, a headquarters type environment. So, you know, having the opportunity to move my family from Toronto to, to Seattle was, you know, great opportunity for them from a development perspective, but also for me in terms of all the other additional opportunities that come with working at um, at a headquarters type environment. So that really fuels kind of my um, ambition to, to join Amazon. Let's talk about what students can be doing to increase their chances of landing interviews for sales strategy or sales operations roles. So if you were to provide some advice or insight, what would that be? Yeah, I mean, I, these types of roles will not go through the typical on-campus cycle. At least they weren't they weren't there when I was there in 2008. That that may have changed, but um, you know, as I think about even now when I'm recruiting members for my team, I don't typically think to go on MBA campus. Um, you know, those types of recruiting cycles. So you know, really 
seeking out those roles and, um, you know, building out networks and connections with um, folks that are hiring in those roles, I think is, is crucial. You cannot rely purely on the kind of the on-campus type of uh, environment to, to, to secure roles in, um, in, in sales strategy or sales operations. And the other part is like, this is the type of role where it classically fits uh, like an MBA, an MBA student in the sense that, you know, you need some of the core MBA type skills. And the way I look at it is there's there's kind of three things I look for when I'm hiring. It's one is, is this person numerate? Can they, can they, are they strong with analytics? Can they tell a story with analytics? But beyond that, you know, you cannot solely be the, the Excel junkie, right? You need to be able to build relationships with sales leaders. You need to be able to build cross-functional relationships outside of sales operations. That part of it is is very important. And then the final piece is, you know, you need to be a good communicator because oftentimes is you're throwing a mountain of data. You got to pull insights out of that, but then you've also be able to, you've got to be able to tell a story and succinctly tell that story, whether it's through email, whether it's through any other type of executive communications that allow senior leaders to identify, like, how do we how do we take next steps from this? How do we build strategy from this? What is the so what of, you know, the data that you are putting in front of me? So those those three things, being numerate, being able to build relationships and, and having excellent communication skills. I think those are all things that, you know, MBA type backgrounds tend to lend themselves well to. And it's not one that I, you know, I knew very well coming out of um, Ivy. And and really, again, I would reiterate, like, you got to build your networks, right? Go find, you know, the folks that are hiring in those roles, go find the folks that are occupying those roles. Because um, oftentimes, those are just, you know, they're, they're just um, jobs that we, we post on our career site, we don't necessarily have, you know, Ivy in mind, or have an MBA in mind, it is, do those people have the skills that we need for, for those roles, really? So it's like the informal networking part of it is, is important. Um, the other, the other thing I would kind of touch on is, you know, sales strategy and operations, there are many different types of roles that kind of sound similar. It, it crosses over into a bunch of different fields. So anytime you see sales operations, sales strategy, revenue operations, sales finance, those are all very similar type roles. And a lot of the things that I described earlier in terms of what I do can be called a number of different types of functions or jobs in, uh, in job descriptions, right? So, you know, keep an eye out for those types of roles. And, and every large, you know, B2B tech company has these types of roles and they are occupied by a lot of class Classic MBA type profiles, former consultants, former investment bankers, uh, you know, those types of backgrounds lend themselves well to, to these roles. I particularly loved your point about packaging the data and insights that you have as a sales strategy leader into a story to communicate to your sellers because salespeople are really in the business of telling stories to their clients. And so I think oftentimes when you communicate in the way that they're used to, it's much more effective. Yeah, Um, absolutely. You know, I would say it's telling a story, but then also having the sense to be an objective business partner. You know, I tell all my sales leaders, we're not always going to agree, but I'm always going to give you my objective opinion. Um, And I think that's what's really valued in that role in the sense that, um, you know, you're not solely there to be a cheerleader for sales, you're there to provide, you know, um, objective analysis. As a hiring manager, can you talk about some of the best ways MBA students can approach answering questions during a sales operations or sales strategy interview? 
when you are interviewing, it doesn't matter if it's Amazon or Facebook, you know, you need to be able to succinctly tell your story in a 30 to 45 minute environment in the sense that, um, you know, you need to be able to tell what were the things that I did on a specific project or on a specific, you know, anecdote that you're using to detail out your experiences. Right. And I think a lot of us, you know, we struggle with the, I did this, I did that because, in general, most of us aren't egomaniacs, so, right? We tend to use the we. You know, we did this, we did that. But really, as an interviewer, I'm really trying to understand what was it that you did on a specific project or anecdote so that I can say these were the experiences that I, I can um, associate to you being successful in the sales strategy role um, on my team, right? Um, the other part is really setting the context, right? Because a lot of times, you know, we get into these interviews and, and you know, we know the story perfectly in our heads, but, you know, you've really got to take the time to set the context for, you know, why this was a challenge or why this was a problem and what were the outcomes that came out of all the great things that you did. And I find using the, the STAR method is a great way of, like, building the, the context and making sure you properly wrap up your, your anecdote with what were the lessons learned or the results, right? And, and that's the thing I always remind everybody that I interview for is context is important use the star method because it's like a logical way of of detailing out an anecdote and be very mindful of the you know what do you want the interviewer to get at what were the things that you did that um that made that anecdote successful or or the lessons you you learned if if it wasn't successful use the i i as much as possible um even though you know we're trained not to be uh individualists but like in an interview environment you've really got to let your 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 personal experiences shine in, in that context I'm sure the career management team is smiling right now when they heard the star method. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. As, as much as I don't like you, what you want to do is you don't want to say, here was the situation. Here was the task. Like, don't be robotic about it. Make sure to weave in like a narrative. Right. But like having that in mind as you detail out your anecdote is really important in terms of uh, having the structure and making sure that um, proper context is set. Did you find there was a big difference between interviewing for a consulting role versus your role in telco at Rogers and then at Facebook, Amazon, did you find there were major differences? Yeah, huge differences. I mean, consulting is very much like the toughest part of a, or the most daunting part about consulting is, is obviously the case interview, right? And it, it's not natural for, for anybody to kind of go through that type of interview process. I know for myself, I had to do quite a bit of practice. And from my first case to like my hundredth practice case, I, I hated that process because it's like, it's not a natural way to kind of interview. And it's really about discipline and getting used to the types of questions you face. So it's really a lot of like rote practice with, um, with classmates. And I would do the these practice cases and I would just remark at like how naturally some people took to it. Whereas for me, it took a lot of work. I was pretty awful at it when I first started, but you know, you, you really have to practice at it. Whereas, you know, other, you know, as you move, as I moved to Rogers, it's very much kind of a behavioral interviewing environment. Um, and then the tech companies tend to bring various flavors of the two, right? So, you know, that, at Facebook, it was a combination of there was a, a case, but that case tended to be more grounded in real business challenges that they had. And then there was the, the behavioral type questions. Um, at Amazon, it's very much about um, Amazon's 14 leadership principles. Their interview style is very much geared toward 
words, assessing for fit against these 14 leadership principles. And it doesn't matter if it's the phone screen or the on-site interview, it's really geared around that. And then the other piece is, um, you know, writing. Writing and being able to write for business audiences is really important at Amazon, to, more important than any of, uh, any company I've been at, because the way we run our business and the way we run our meetings is around written narratives. Um, and that that is different from any other company I've been at um, in the sense that other companies, you know, typically you go to a meeting, you bring your PowerPoint and the PowerPoint serves as the communications medium for running that meeting. Whereas at Amazon, it's very much written narrative first 30 minutes read the read the document uh, other 30 minutes is really around making decisions from from that document or clear asking clarifying questions so if you can't write you will be challenged in terms of um, being successful at Amazon and the the interview process is, is uh, you know, certainly a way to gauge for those skills I wanted to ask because I noticed that you graduated in 2008 and I couldn't help but make the connection to many of our listeners who will likely be graduating uh, early next year into what is most likely going to be a challenging economy. So what advice would you have for MBA students that are looking to best position themselves to reenter the the job market uh, during during COVID? I actually had the unfortunate honor of graduating undergrad in 2001, which was kind of the height of the tech bubble burst, and then also 2008. So I've experienced it both times. You don't want to graduate when I graduate is, uh, you know, is, is the observation. But, you know, I, what I would say was, you know, grit and tenacity really matter, right? Like you can't write off your career because you didn't get your dream consulting job or your dream banking job or whatever whatever dream job you had in mind, you know, joining Ivy because there are many different avenues to, you know, pursuing a career. And just because the on-campus cycle didn't work, you can't let that kind of, you know, dim your light from that aspect. Um, the other part is um, I think I think folks need to have an open mind in terms of the careers that, um, that they would consider. You need to understand, like, what is it that you do? well and how does what you do well translate into those different types of careers but you can't strictly say i'm only going to do this in this silo you've got to have an open mind especially in the in this type of uh, job markets um and then the, the there's the obvious stuff i mean i'm certainly i'm certain everybody said that you know you've got to build the the networks and the informal networks right um in, in tough markets you know building those connections you know is it will lead to kind of you know wider field of you know what a wider field or a wider understanding of what's what's available. You can get sucked into this bubble of, hey, you know, there's these companies coming on campus, you know, I'm going to place all my eggs into those baskets. Um, but definitely in this environment, you know, you, it, it will definitely be more challenging. And then the other piece is like your first job at an MBA doesn't really matter that much, right? Like, um, you know, it is about conti- having a mindset of continuously building your skills and your experiences. Um, so don't let that first job be like the be all and end all is, is what I would say. And with that, I want to say thank you so much for joining us today, Jason. Before we go, is there a final thought you'd like to leave the listeners with? Um, just that I, I want to help, you know, I, this is a tough environment. Um, so if there's any way that I can, you know, um, provide, um, uh, a sounding board, open up my networks, provide some advice, you know, I am certainly more than happy to, and, um, you know, all I want to do is, is give back in that way. So if I can help, um, let me know how. Thank you, Jason. Thanks for the time. And that's a wrap on this week's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Special thanks to Jay Deverett and Mihir Radij, my fellow Tech Club execs. And thank you to our career management advisor, Patty Guzzo. If you liked what you heard, please follow, download, and subscribe. 
We're now available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. We'll be back next week with another episode.